0: Science, exercise, nutrition, health, energy, passion.
1: One year, no beer. This is the One Year No Beer Podcast, where you will find all the latest tips, tricks and hacks for a way to live better.
0: Hello and welcome to yet another series of the One Year No Beer podcast. My name is Ruri Fairbairns, and today I'm going to be your host. And with me today, I have a very special guest, who I will reveal in just a moment. Now, I've got a very quick company update, of which I'm probably going to do a podcast shortly about this, but last week, uh, we closed our funding round. Yes! We rose £1.1 million in funding from 16 investors, of which 13 of those are OYMB members. How awesome is that, that we had such an overwhelming response? Now, um, we're going to do some press about this, about some of our investors. Spartan invested in us one of the UK's most technologically advanced casinos invested in us. Well, actually, the two founders did, uh, who are also OYMB members. We've attracted some incredible human beings, and it turns out that we've changed some very wealthy people's lives. Um, And uh, I'm excited about the road ahead and where we are going, uh, why that's important to you, what's going to change for One Year No Beer and how we at One Year No Beer, our investors, are all so incredibly excited about the future, the future for you, the future for OIMB, and the future for the world that we see. So, um, as I said, I will do another podcast on that. Today's guest is a gentleman by the name of Eric Edmides. Uh, He's a personal friend of mine I met when I joined Genius Network, uh, which is a mastermind group in the US. Eric is a true serial entrepreneur. Eric has spent the last 20 years starting, buying, selling, and turning around businesses in six countries. Eric owns or has owned businesses in data capture, field service, wireless networking, events management, high-fidelity medical simulation and Hollywood special effects, where his companies worked on blockbuster movies, including James Cameron's groundbreaking Avatar, Neil Blomkamp's Elysium, and films in the Iron Man, Transformers, and Pirates of the Caribbean franchises. Wow. Eric has logged over 10,000 hours on stage, and spoken in over 20 countries around the world, something he's going to be helping me with. Uh, Eric is widely regarded as one of the most effective business and personal mentors in the world. He's one of the true pioneers of the coming food revolution. Uh, The founder of WildFit, Eric is passionate about helping people and in particular children achieve and experience outstanding health by changing their diet. Well, that's probably one of the longest introductions I've ever recorded. Oh yeah, sorry, one more thing. Eric hasn't drunk alcohol since he was like 21. 21. So an all-round legend, ladies and gentlemen, I present to you, Mr. Eric Admedes.: So Eric, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing wonderfully. Thanks for having me.
0: Awesome. Eric, that is an incredible um, um, bio. You really have had some uh, incredible experience. So tell us a bit of background. Um, how did you get involved? You know, where, where did it all begin for you?
1: <laughs> well, I guess it depends on what it all is, but the the funny thing is I, I uh really it kind of began for me in falling into this strange quirk when I finished high school, wherein um, i really didn't you know my family really didn 't have the money to send me to university, but we were in this threshold where I really also couldn 't qualify for student loans, and one thing led to another, and I was just kind of forced to enter the workforce and go straight. Into um, you know, straight into personal responsibility mode at the age of eighteen, and um, and that that kind of introduced me to the world of, of sales and marketing, and um, and that uh, that was kind of almost the best possible school I could have gone to. I, I feel feel like those skills are pretty useful around the world these days, and <laughs> and that's what led me to starting my first business and so on.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's a very similar background to myself. I started chapping door to door. That was one of my first ever, ever sales. And um God, you had some hard yards there, isn't it? <laughs> in direct yeah. sales.
1: Yeah, yeah. That was the same for me. I don't know how it was in in uh in on um weather wise for you, but I was I was doing door to door sales in Canada. So In the winter. The good, news, <laughs> the good news was is that if you're doing door to door sales in Canada, you learn real quick how to make the sale because inside is warmer than
0: outside. Yeah. Um, I used to try and come up with ways to respond to um, fuck off um, because uh, it, was, it was something I heard fairly often. And um, I think we, we got it nailed down to, ooh, sex and travel, my favorite things. Thank you.
1: <laughs> now, you know, I did find that the quippy comebacks were always the answer. Like, I, I'll never forget this one woman. I walked up to her house and she's like, look, one of your people who has been here like every day for the last four months and I never let any of you in. So why do you keep trying? What's different about you? And I just went, I'm cute? <laughs> <laughs> she busted out laughing and said, come on in for hot chocolate.
0: <laughs> I love that, I love yeah. it. It was always, always about trying to find ways to get in the door, wasn't it? Trying to find ways yeah. and, and uh, get out of the rain. I mean, you know, I was, I was on the west coast of Scotland, so it was uh, wet, wet and cold. Yeah. Um, so, um, you know, a, a, amazing business experience. Um, and, um, you know, you you started your first business, Data Capture and Mobile commute, uh, Computing, here in the UK. That's right. Um, tell me a bit about that.
1: Well, it's, it's actually, it's kind of an interesting, I'm sorry, my first job was for a similar company based out of Vancouver, Canada. And um, I was the first full-time employee of the company. And the uh, um, over the next several years, we'd grow the business uh, to... Um, quite a size, you know, and, and, and expand around the world. And um, I had always kind of been uh, the, the owner had always had those talks about, you know, uh, founder stock, you know, we're well, not founder stock, but like early employee options and that kind of stuff. And they never came to fruition. And when I, I called him on it one day and I said, look, you know, it's been six, seven years, you know, what's going on with this. And he basically informed me that we you know the 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 royal we, which meant him, had decided that they were going to go a different route, which was to say that wasn 't going to happen and um, and but then he compromised and he said, well look if you if you relocate to the to Europe and and relaunch, you know launch us there as well, then i 'll give you a piece of the action over there and so you know being a kid and not really understanding the difference between." um, you know, a, a verbal agreement and a written agreement, just kind of, you know, I don't know, I think because I think if you're one of those people that kind of just tends to like follow through with your commitment, then you just assume everybody else does as well. Yep. So I headed off to Europe and I hired the managing director and leased office space and, you know, got all the first clients on board. And then of course my <laughs> contract arrived and I, this won't shock you, but guess what wasn't there any kind of options or equity or any of that stuff. And, and so I, uh, I, I don't know what happened. I just suddenly had this huge burst of self-esteem and decided that my soul was worth more than, uh, you know, working in that environment. And I I quit that job and um and 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 where it got really interesting was that that employer owed me a, a great deal of money, like 150 plus thousand dollars on the day that I resigned, and then uh, promptly refused to pay me any of it. And he refused to do so because I I believe that it was because he was afraid I would set up a competitive venture. And, and, and the irony of course of it was that I wanted that money so I could relocate my family back to North America where I had another job offer in an industry I was really excited about, but here's the joke. I had no money. And so he wouldn't give me any, he wouldn't give me the money he owed me. And I had no money to relocate my family. I had a wife, a baby on the way, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And so, um, lo and behold, I was kind of stuck one day when one of my old clients called me and said, could you help me with the project? And I said, "No, I'm not really in that business anymore." And then when he told me what the, <laughs> you know, like how much he was willing to pay, I, I reconsidered, and um, and I took it on as one-off project, and, it, and then it turned into two-off projects, and then I took another one, another one, and the next thing you know, I had a business. And it wasn't like I was a super brave entrepreneur. It was I was a guy who was living in a country and. Um, that I that I wasn't from, and and you know didn't. I, I mean, in fact, I didn't even have my my right to work. There was dependent on the job that I just quit, so I couldn't even go get another job. But I had rent to pay and and people to feed. Wow, so entrepreneurship
0: was just kind of foisted into it. Yep. Yeah, sometimes the best way: sink or swim, buddy. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> I'll choose swim, thank you. <laughs> and um. So it, did that how how did that how did that lead on to um spending time with um Tony Robbins.
1: You know um I, as a kid I'd been really influenced by Tony. Um you know my 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 very first boss back in the old d- door-to-door direct sales world had bought his you know cassette tapes. I hate even mentioning the <laughs> you know, cassette tapes. But uh I, and I would listen to them all the time and um and what I noticed was different for me about like you know Tony versus some of the other sort of inspirational or motivational type speakers I'd been introduced to was that I would really like, I would find my behavior actually changing, you know, whereas I might listen to some speaker and feel very inspired in the moment, but the next day, everything would still be hard. Whereas I really found that Tony had a way of inspiring actual change. And so he had a big impact on me in that early, in those sort of formative years of my business life. And many years later, truly out of the blue, um I I had sold my company in England. I, I took two years off uh you know testing out kind of quote retirement, just traveling around the world, having fun. And um what and then I bought it. um mid thirties.
0: Yeah.
1: Mid thirties. And 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 then um I ended up uh, buying a movie studio in Northern California, and that would kind of be my next, you know, jump into business. And while running that studio, I, I got a random phone call from um, one of the one of the people running one of tony 's companies and they said they had a last minute emergency, none of their speakers could make this private event and could I be there? Could I make it and it was It was literally you know it was it was just a weird luck of the draw thing that um, a friend of tony 's had once mentioned me in passing, and so I ended up kind of probably hand scrawled at the bottom of a list of reserved speakers. And once they'd made their way all the way through the list of reserved speakers, <laughs> they, they ended Where up on are. this dude. And, and, um, and, you know, I know Tony wasn't particularly excited about it, but um, when we met and we'd met before briefly, but when we met, we really kind of created a bit of a bond. And, um, and I, I, uh, I, I did well enough at that, um, at that event in Fiji that he then booked me for another year. And and so we spent that year Uh, where I was teaching business and marketing at his business mastery programs. And here's the kicker of it is I hadn't been on stage for three years before I got that phone call. So I really went from like, you know, zero to a hundred in, 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 in a phone call where I'm going from not being a speaker or certainly not having done much speaking for three years to suddenly speaking on one of the most influential
0: stages. It was a fascinating growth curve. That's amazing. Give me, uh, that is amazing. And you know, what's, what's great is, is the fact that he was such a big inspiration to you at a young age, at equally me, and um, you know, listening to tapes as I was. Um, damn, that shows my age. Um, <laughs> but that's because that for a time my parents were involved in Amway, and of course they used to right. push out a lot of that. It was all about you know the the self help side of things, and um, yeah. So um, uh, then to be finding yourself on stage and and touring with him just really amazing.
1: It was really special. And he, he was very good to me. I mean, I, I, I'll, I'll never forget, you know, um, uh, Elise, my wife, and I were sitting having lunch with Tony and Sage at his house in Fiji. And, you know, I, I, for about 30 minutes, he just praised the presentation. It was really overwhelming. He just, I really liked the way you did this, and then the way you did that, and this and that. And, and I, 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 eventually, I, I stopped. And I said, you know, listen, I, I'm not sure I can take a lot more of that. Could you (laughs) you Tell me something else. Could you tell me how I could make it even better for the next time? And he lit up. He's like, yeah, well, and he just, you know, and then he, it started this, like, he just started coaching me on how to, um, you know, how to really create solid stage presence and and presentation logic and stuff. And I don't know, there's a whole lot of people better than him at that. And so I was really blessed. He kind of took me under his wing and really over the next year, I learned a great deal from him and his team. It was a big, big opportunity.
0: Wow. And that is, um, you do a really good impression by the (laughs) way (laughs) you've obviously spent a lot of time with the man. (laughs) Um, yeah. So, um, of course this, this, um, led to your own uh, creation of your own business, um, the business freedom programs.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it did. It really did. Um, one day, one of Tony's promoters called me and asked me if I would consider doing a promotion tour to support, um, the business mastery programs and so they would like they asked me if i would tour the sort of nordic european countries and i uh, i thought what the hell you know I, I may as well i i had the time free and they needed the help so i went and did this tour and it was really fascinating because in many of these countries tony wasn't yet that well-known sweden denmark that sort of stuff and and so i was going in and doing these presentations on on entrepreneurship and business and and then selling business mastery which at that point was a you know i don't know it five, maybe even a $10,000 price point. And, um, we, we did okay on the tour, but it was quite a thing to go from like a two hour preview event to try to sell a five or $10,000 seminar. And the promoter came to me afterward and said, you know, we got a lot of feedback from the audience that if, if you'd been selling your own program, uh, that uh, they would have been in in a heartbeat. Um, if they didn't have to fly all the way to Las Vegas or London or something, if it was here and it was you. And, and they said, would you consider doing that? And, um, You know, I I was kind of like open to the idea of it. It wasn't a big business plan for me at that stage. But then one of my, uh, an organization that I had done some speaking for in Sweden, coincidentally asked me to deliver a five-day business program for them on a custom basis. And so I designed the program, delivered it for them. And then the guy from Norway found out about it and said, listen, let's do it. And that's really what gave birth to the Business Freedom brand. You know, we started teaching this program that we call the Business Freedom Experience. Um, and it, the, 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 client feedback on it was world-class and it just gave birth to the whole brand and everything that's followed since. Amazing. Really, really exciting.
0: Um, and, um, so are you, this is now a global thing, business freedom, um, rather than uh, birthed out of the Scandinavian countries, but now more of a global phenomenon.
1: It you know, it's kind of an interesting story. We 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 launched largely in Scandinavia because that's you know, I'm I'm not a big fan of pushing into markets. I'm I'm a big fan of being pulled into them. And so in my case, what happened is I did that first seminar in Sweden, and the next thing you know, the guy from Norway wanted it there, and then another promoter from Denmark wanted it there, and then Estonia over here, and 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 then Netherlands wanted it over here. And so we've kind of just responded to market demand. Um, and so, you know, our live events are still largely focused in Europe. We do some in North America here and there. Um, but the online world is what opened us up to, to a more global audience. And, you know, we started doing uh, like uh, we started teaching some of our programs on live casts. And once we did that, it opened us up. So now we have clients in 20 somewhat countries around the world. And, and it's a very, you know, so, for example, our li- we used to do six business freedom experiences a year then I had a baby girl. Well, okay. My wife had a baby girl. (laughs) We had a baby girl and I decided I wanted to spend a lot more time at home. And so I talked with all the various promoters and said, look, I'm prepared to do one per year. And so we increased the threshold where we used to cap it at 50 people. We increased the threshold. And so this last year we've uh, we did one, we had 120 people or so at the event and they came from 18 countries. So it was really interesting because prior to that, I would do it in Denmark and it would be 98% 98% Danish people and one or two people from Sweden or something like that. And But as the reputation has grown globally, we are now at a place where it doesn't really matter where we put the event, the world comes to it. And it's really exciting. It creates for a really rich networking.
0: Yeah, awesome. Um, going, going to the event, definitely. Um, and then, of course, this led on to you creating WildFit.
1: It did. It did. And nothing has been more surprising to me than that. I, I have been fascinated by... Uh, nutritional anthropology and diet since I was about twenty one years old i i I had some real health challenges um, through my teens and into my early twenties and I managed to turn them around with food a- after years of doctors failing to do anything for me.
0: Can we talk about that a bit more?
1: yeah, I mean I was dealing with everything from you know basic stuff like allergies and face con- you know acne and Um, I, I hadn't breathed through my own sinuses in probably close to 10 years. And, uh, I had debilitating stomach, uh, digestive problems. And, and, and in fact, my doctor had finally, uh, one day, you know, took a look down into my throat and said, Jesus, like you, you've got to have those things taken out. And one of my tonsils taken out and, and this is at 21 years old. So that's not a basic thing anymore. And weirdly enough, I show up at a, at a Tony Robbins, uh, you know, firewalk weekend and do my whole, you know, my first real introduction to Tony at a live event. And, you know, one of the things that Tony challenged there was some ideas about food. And so I went home and I, and, and working with another friend of mine, uh, you know, for 30 days, I made it some changes to my diet. And within 30 days, every ailment I'd ever suffered was gone. I mean, gone. Like I, I became vibrant, full of energy. My, my skin cleared up. My sinus issues completely went away. I never had the stomach cramps again. Like I, I lost 35 pounds. I was a new person entirely. And uh, and and as much as that inspired me, it also really made me curious because I, I, I couldn't help but wonder how it is that I could spend 10 years visiting trained doctors and specialists and get no results and then change my diet and get all the results. And immediately I, I made me ask wow. the question, why did they not challenge me on food? Why didn't yeah. the doctors talk to me about food? And, and of course, the answer came pretty clear to me because I actually asked uh, one of my doctors, I "Was like, how, how long did you go to medical school? And, you know, six years. And, and how much of that time did you study food and nutrition? Well, none. <laughs> and, uh, you know, there it was. And that, that became the beginning of the idea of what would become WildFit. I, I began a, you know, uh, basically two decades of curiosity and research Reading everything that I could, studying everything that I could, I even enrolled in at the University of Bristol to study archaeology for a time. The pace of learning drove me up the wall, so I didn't stick with that. I just went my own path. I went to go live with, uh, I went to go visit on a number of occasions the the Hadza Bushmen, which have recently become so popularized by the idea of gut biome research and so on. And um, and that gave birth to the idea of wildlife, And what really, what really made while it happened was some of my clients were asking me how it was possible that I could fly from country to country to country and get off the plane, walk in, teach for 10 hours, have all this energy, and then go and do the next city. And how did I do that? And so I started teaching as a bonus session. I started teaching a little bit about food and and that irritated me because I would teach them stuff about food and then I'd see them six months later and they hadn't made no changes. And so I sat down with my team one day and said, that's it. We're going to create the ultimate food psychology program, the ultimate food transformation program, where people go through the program and novel for the diet industry, but actually change, not just for (gasps) a week or two, but like for a lifetime. And so we tested it out on eight of our clients and it worked. And then another eight and it worked. And it it, it was really at that point, the only way you could buy it was if you happen to be a business client and you happen to be at a live event, then you could sign up. There was no website for it. There was no marketing for it. It was just something we offered our business clients. But soon, the word of mouth outpaced our ability to, to deal with that. And I ended up having to create an online platform, a digital training program, and, and we just experienced phenomenal. In fact, WildFit, which was really a hobby, is, uh, is now substantially bigger than, than business freedom is. And, and, and most of our, many of our business freedom clients now even come through WildFit as a portal. It's been an interesting transformation.
0: Amazing, and um, obviously the program is is you're talking about transformations. Tell me some of the transformations that people are going through, and the types of people that are going through the program.
1: Yeah, that's been fascinating. You know, I think that um, we we often get painted with the weight loss brush, and that which is interesting because WildFit is is not a weight loss program. It may, it may well be the most effective weight loss program out there, but it's not built that way. It's built around um, changing people's relationship with food. So our clients range from people who are morbidly obese and definitely have weight problems to the the normal kind of slightly overweight and low on energy kind of person to uh, people that are dealing with really serious conditions like diabetes and cancer and you know we we just we've had a, a, a all the way to peak performance athletes that are looking to uh, change up their metabolism and get themselves into really serious endurance mode, and so um, our clients are really. Um, broad spectrum in that sense, and the type of recovery stories we get are, I mean, mind blowing. You know, I, I it started off, oh yeah, somebody lost some weight over here, and you'd bump into them a year later, and they're still on track, and they're kicking butt, and it's fabulous. But then, then it really picked up. Like we we people be writing to us and telling us that they that their doctor told them that they'd experienced some kind of miracle that. You know, they're now not type two diabetic or that they're uh,
0: you know, that not they're taking their medication or
1: yeah, they they no longer need like one of the things we now have to issue a disclaimer at the front of the Wild Fit class that says that if you are on blood sugar management or uh or blood pressure management medic or thyroid support medication that you've got to go for regular checkups through the program because it's almost a certainty that your medications it is a certainty that your medication is going to be re- reduced pretty much. And it's almost a certainty that you'll be taken off it completely. The problem is if you're on medication designed to force your blood pressure down and then you start living correctly, then you start having. To- <laughs> wow.
0: Wow. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. That's yeah. probably and something
1: then, like, I, and you know, like I, I'm blown away by, by the stories that we get. You know, I, I had a woman about a week ago write to me and say that she had a perforated artery and, uh, per, uh, uh what did she call it? It was, um, uh, an, uh, there was a, a hole, an aneurysm style hole. So it wasn't actually a complete hole in one of her um, blood vessels. And she was told, look, if it reaches a certain size, she was at the Mayo clinic and they said, if it reaches a certain size, I think it was, um, I guess it probably measuring in millimeters, but 50 millimeters. Then you know she would absolutely have to have surgery to have this thing repaired, or what have you. And she said, "Well, what what can I do to to shrink it?" And they go, oh, no, "No, these things don't shrink; they simply get bigger." Well, you know, then over the course of the program, she kept going. It went down to 48, and then it was down to 46, and then 44, and then 38. And they they then told her that it was just probably a mistake in the initial measurement. like, well, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. In a row, you know? And then- uh, Our data must be correct. (laughs) Yeah. Another one that was really striking to me was um, uh, um, a woman had uh, two two boys and they both went through the program and one really completely transformed. But the one that really blew her away is that he had uh, um, a a condition. It's a rare genetic condition that creates an uh, un- um, unimaginable level of hunger and food cravings to the point that many parents that have children like this end up having to put their children in assisted living. Uh, These people quite literally like sort of begin eating themselves to death, almost always end up type two diabetic and and morbidly obese. And there's like nothing that can be done about it. Only on on the program, the woman wrote to me when they completed the program and her son lost 15 kilograms, which is she had been told it was medically not possible. They just can't lose weight when they have this condition. And I, so there's these like outstanding, miraculous things that happen. But truthfully, the ones that really get to me are the ones where it's like, my family's happier. We, we get along better. We have a better sense of well-being. We, we sleep better. We're, you know, when, we, when, when you talk about making an adjustment to somebody's quality of life on that level, I, I don't even know how you measure that.
0: Yeah. Yes. I mean, uh, th- there's another thing I'm just going to jump to is that you, you, you said in, in some of our conversations that your childhood ambition was to have impact. Um, and sorry to keep comparing you to me. I promise I won't do it too often. <laughs> Obviously, you're much further ahead than I am. But, you know, that was my thing. That was what I wrote to Richard Branson about when I was 14. I said, I'm going to have massive impact on the world. And really, that was my childhood ambition. Um, and this is it. This is the, what you're talking about now. This feedback, which is now people saying and them talking about this impact, it's so driving. It's so powerful, um, and and connects us with our purpose, doesn't it? When it really uh, does. And
1: and I feel and, and I think that the big takeaway that I offer to people when I'm speaking about business and passion and so forth is that the more in touch you are with that, the more connected you are with that the easier it is to overcome the obstacles that end up in your way because you see that you must.
0: Yeah, I love that. That's very powerful. Um, One of the things um, I was going to say is that uh, I I know, uh, so we originally met as a part of um, a a, a masterminding uh, thing called Genius Network in the US and we sat down together and clearly there was a lot of um, connection and similarities, and 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 it was just really great to meet you the first time, and we've spent a bit of time together. Um, and w- part of the Wild Fit program is actually to make people rethink their relationship with alcohol. And I loved how you actually said, you know, that your your purpose with Wild Fit is to change people's relationship with food, and our purpose at One Year No Beer is to change people's relationship with alcohol. Um, so, yeah, t- tell me a bit more about why. Why, in particular, you you uh, clearly had the forethought well before we did to be getting people to challenge their relationship with alcohol, and also your own personal alcohol journey.
1: Yeah, my personal alcohol journey is kind of interesting. I never really liked this stuff, frankly. You know, um, when I was a kid, I I, you know I was like every other kid. Oh, can I try the wine? Like all the adults, and I'd sip this stuff, and I go, "What the hell are you thinking?" (laughs) It's like a glass full of sweaty socks. Like I, I just don't understand why you would want to drink moldy, rotten grapes. It just didn't make any sense to me. And then, and then beer was even worse. I just, I didn't like it. And so, but like most kids, I did kind of like the feeling of soft inebriation, right? Like it was permission to be bigger or more or whatever, but I very rarely drank. Um, I would often, uh, I would often use like being the designated driver as my excuse for not drinking and, and that sort of stuff. But I did occasionally. And one night in, I think November of 90, maybe uh, I had, um, I was out with some friends and we were on a big, war, you know, road trip and I drank quite a lot that night. And the next morning I was like hung over and, and I was thinking back at the night and I was you know, some of the behavior that night just didn't impress me and being hung over and vomiting didn't impress me. And so I made that deal that so many people make with God, not that I'm a particularly religious person, but in that moment I was willing to try and I made that deal with God. If you simply help me to feel better, I will never drink again. <laughs> and I'm, uh, we do that once a week. <laughs> I'm, the, I'm the one guy who kept the deal. I just, I just never drank again and never, ever. And, uh, not, not a sip of champagne and what have you. And, and I, I you know, I, I, I suspect that I developed a responsible relationship with alcohol because my father did not, you know, he was, uh, he's very well sober now. He's been in A for many years and but he, he was de- clearly trying to drink himself to death. My brother was in um, AA before he was legally allowed to drink. He, 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 such was his relationship with alcohol. And so I had little rules. Like even once when I turned 16 and got a driver's license, my rule was I would never drive a car with even one sip of anything on my, on my breath, like nothing. So if I was out with some friends and go, oh, my God, this beer is really cool, have one sip. I wouldn't even have that one sip. And I, so I had a responsible relationship with alcohol to begin with. And then one day I just stopped now. I should be clear. And I have to say this to wild fit clients when they hear I don't drink, they're terrified that I'm going to try and take alcohol away from them. No, I have no issue. I, I'm not judgmental about people who drink alcohol. I, and my wife drinks alcohol from time to time. And frankly, I enjoy that. It's a lot of fun. I, it's just not for me. And, and I, and I, and I think that, um, my statement to wild fit clients, because we do ask them to take a small holiday from alcohol during parts of our different challenges. And uh, not a whole year. We're not that brave, but we, we do have <laughs> to take a break. And, um, and uh, but what's really fascinating is, is that some of them react with like shock and horror. And what I put to them is the more intense your emotional response to the idea that you need to take a little bit of a break from alcohol, the more you need to be taking a little bit of a break from alcohol. 100%. <laughs> 100%. Yeah.
0: That's, that's exactly why you should. Yeah. If, you feel, if you feel you can't. Yeah. That's and you know,
1: it. look, I, I'm, I, I think that like many things, like I'm not a big fan of caffeine, but w- would caffeine help if I was tired driving down the highway at two o'clock in the morning? Sure, it's a hack. And you know, alcohol can be a bit of a hack. I, I get that it can provide a level of social lubrication and, and a little bit of fun and all that kind of stuff. So I, I get it. I just, I think there's a big distinction between people who use um, alcohol in a functional, enjoyable, life-enhancing kind of way and the people who use it as a drug to mask over problems that they're having and
0: and i that that distinction is not small yeah absolutely spot on um and what we want i think most people want to get to the latter uh sorry the former you know to that place where where uh, you know they take it or leave it doesn't matter. And for many people, that might be they permanently take to leave it like you, um, or perhaps they become more like me, where, you know, you might, you might not, but you certainly don't need to. And that's exactly the, the point of changing the relationship with alcohol. Yeah. Um, I want to dive a bit more back into this Wild Fit. So, um, t- you know, t- for our guys out there listening, give us some insight into what's actually involved in Wild Fit, and, uh, you know, maybe just a bit of uh, what the process they go through.
1: Sure. So I, I would say that WildFit lives loosely in the uh, in the paleo family of of nutritional advice from a from a nutritional advice content perspective. I think that we offer some uh, novel um, uh, distinctions um, that that improve upon the overall concept. One of the reasons it's funny I had uh, Lauren Cordain on on uh, that I did for a. Uh, interview for our Wildfit members once, and I asked him what inspired him to create the Paleo diet, and he said there was an article that he read by S. boyd Eaton. Uh, it was written in like 1984 or so, and it made its way onto the internet in '96. It was the exact same article that spurred Wildfit. Like we, we, he and I were on the same track in 1996. Um, and the difference was that he came from a medical background, and I came from a vastly curious. Uh, Background with a grandfather who was a famous archaeologist, so I was already really fascinated by evolutionary biology. And so the the simplicity of paleo is: look, if we weren't doing it fifteen thousand years ago, then you probably shouldn't be doing it today. And that that's a fine rule. It's a fine rule, but there are definitely some some enhancements. And there we now understand things about the you know gut bacteria. We understand things about. Um, uh, multi-purpose organs that are designed to live through seasonal fluctuation, and that's something nobody really talked about before. While well, it came along, that I'm aware of, um, we were really early on in the discussion about plants defending themselves and needing to be cautious of plants that we didn't evolve really good relationships with. So, that, so we're in the paleo family with some what I would say modifications based on evolutionary biology. But what really sets us apart is this. We're not a rules-based diet, you know, and and I think that's where the diet industry has been failing. The statistics are pretty clear that 3% of people that go on a diet, or sorry, sorry, the average person that goes on a diet gains three pounds every time they go on a diet. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, One being is that most diets are based on forms of restriction and And most people are malnourished before they even began the diet sure they 've been overeating, but they 've been overeating calories and under eating nutrients, so then they go on some kind of calorie restriction diet and they enter starvation mode and during starvation mode, your body will overreact and cause you to overeat again and so diets cause the the diet industry is just as guilty in many ways as the uh, as the food industry and so what the, the approach that we 've taken that 's so different is we have some really interesting um, psychological routines and a very structured program that allows people to fully see their relationship with food, fully understand the way the food, um, really is responding with their body. And within a few weeks of the program, they go, they, they, they have completely changed their view of many of the foods that they used to have no power over. And so what WildFit is really about is freedom. And, and, and the best way to really, you know, describe this is one of my clients came to me one day years and years ago, and he said, hey, uh, I I love the idea of your program, but I just can't do it. And I said, why not? And he goes, well, I really value my freedom and I just diets don't work for me. And I said, hey, I value freedom too. It's it's one of my highest values as a human being. Describe freedom to me, I said to him. And he goes, well, for me, freedom is the ability to eat what I want as much as I want whenever I want. And I said, that's a good definition, I guess, of freedom. I said, but are you free to not eat what you don't want to eat when you don't want to eat it? And he said, what? And I said, well, like you and I, we just had lunch. And if somebody came in here with a fresh warm pizza, would you eat it? And he goes, yeah. I go, but we just had lunch. So you, you're clearly not hungry. Yeah, but it's pizza. And I go, so you're not free to not eat the pizza. And he was like, oh my God, I don't have freedom. And incidentally, he ended up losing about 45 kilograms on the program and completely transforming his life and having full food freedom, and and so that's really the distinction is we're about helping people fully understand their food psychology, making like changes that are not temporary in nature that they're we're actually adjusting their lifestyle, and as a consequence, when you pull them a week or sorry a, a year or two years later, um, you know they're 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 healthy and they're happy, and I like that a lot.
0: Amazing. Um, really, really, really powerful. And uh, I can, uh, when you explained it that way, also so relevant to what we do. Um, oh, yeah,
1: there's definite
0: similarities. Do you I, have I, you freedom know, I, I... not to drink is such a powerful question. I've never yeah. proposed that to anyone. Like, do you have freedom not to drink at every moment, at every occasion, at every wedding, at every business event? Because if you do, then you've got the perfect relationship with alcohol. That's yeah. exactly it.
1: That's exactly right, and we, we we address alcohol exactly the same way. Is that if if you do not feel free, if you cannot ha- if you cannot go to go to bed at night without having had that innocuous one glass of wine, there's a problem. You're not free, and and frankly, I feel the same way about coffee. If you are not free to not start your day with coffee then coffee owns you. And so what I want to do is, I'm not saying to anybody they should never have coffee. Hell, I sat in Dave Asprey's house and I drank a (laughs) cup of bulletproof coffee with him first time in 30 years. Look,
0: it's about freedom. And, And I think the same should
1: be said about alcohol.
0: Love it. Love it. So, um, and we're going to do something really special for One Year Nobia members who's thinking about WildFit, aren't we? We're going to do a webinar, which um, I will announce shortly into the group. Um, and we can encourage some people to come and um, find out more about that. I think I need to go through the process. I need to go through this process. Um, I know Jen will definitely be all over going through WildFit. So um, we're definitely, you know, Jen herself since Tony Robbins' event actually um, was the inspiration for her from making massive change in her in her food and eating. So she's now predominantly vegan. Um, you know, I say predominantly vegan, sometimes vegetarian, and occasionally pescatarian um, is kind of how. Which her. is
1: not unlike Tony. You know, Tony. They speak a lot about veganism and vegetarianism, but that's you know that that and, and we'll you 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 will learn a lot more about that through WildFit. veganism is a season, um, it, it it is a season and it's an important one. But to try to live completely that way for extended years has certain
0: health implications that have to be considered. I definitely need to take this wild fit. Um, I'm in. I'm definitely in. I'm going to get Jen in too. Um, So what does the future hold for you? Uh, What does the future hold with um, business freedom and, and and the various things that you're doing now?
1: Well, right now our our our, uh, um, our primary focus around WildFit is uh, to move it out into a much more mainstream uh, audience. You know, we we've done uh, things quite backwards. You know, normally the tradition is you write a book and you market the hell out of that book, and then that gets the brand for the diet out there and what have you. But you know, the, that's really a, largely a fad based system and. What our uh, what we've done is we, we started with our digital training programs, which now probably close to 10,000 people have gone through. And if you consider that relative to book sales, 10,000 people paying a thousand dollars to go do a program is why we've been able to build a business and have a hundred coaches around the world. So now, as we now look at publishing a book, we, we go to with, with a really excited audience. that's already out there. Uh, you know, we're in development now, um, for a, 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 a series, a docuseries about the Wild Fit Challenge and the way it works. So we're 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 now looking at casting the right people to take through a program where they where the entire journey that they go through is documented. And one of the reasons we want to do that is that what we've seen with our larger classes, like I have a class that I'm coaching currently. I don't coach many of the classes myself anymore, but I have one now. It's got sixteen hundred people in it. So clearly, I'm not going to be able to talk to all 1,600 people. But what we have found is that even people simply watching the videos on replay, it's working. It doesn't. It doesn't have to involve the face-to-face coaching. And so, what we're really excited about is um, getting a series out there so that for the first time ever, we can have a a look. The diet programs that have been produced for television so far, like, you know, The Biggest Loser and stuff, they're like train wreck TV. They're mm-hmm. fascinating to watch in the way that you yeah. want to slow down and watch a car accident. And Agreed. Agreed. They don't stimulate any kind of change. But if you look at what, like, say, Marie Kondo has done with the magic art of tidying up, people are actually tidying their houses based on that show. The Wild Fit series will be like that. People will actually change the relationship with food as a result of watching the show and we're going to have a major Impact on food manufacturing food processing food regulation. Uh, the Canadian government has already recognized there they, I they, they awarded the, the Canadian Senate awarded me a medal uh, Like literally I had to go to the Senate and get a medal because what the work we're doing is so impactful and and so the, the, the goal now is to just get it out there in the biggest possible way We're in 20 countries already, but now we want to go a lot deeper into those countries that's just amazing.
0: Um, you're approaching Netflix, obviously, because they're now
1: Netflix is basically in. I mean, they they'll take content as long as we've produced the content all day. So they're basically saying it's it, we're that you know they'll they'll they love the idea. We we met with their their biggest aggregator. They're in, but we're now also looking at some uh, you know sort of more um, you know we're, we're looking at all the different options to cr- to create the combination of the best client experience and the greatest level of exposure, and that's not necessarily the same thing all the time. So. We're, we're, we're gonna do it right. We have a serious, uh, a very serious producer on board with us, which I'm really excited about. He's, he's a client and therefore that makes him even a better producer for us because he's been producing some of the top shows of this kind in, 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 in the US. And so to have him excited about what we're doing now with WildFit is just a real honor.
0: That's amazing, absolutely amazing. Absolutely incredible. Um, so exciting times ahead then. And um, if we don't want to wait for the Netflix documentary to change our relationship with food, then you, we will be doing a webinar together in the next few weeks-ish. Um, and uh, people can come and join me and Jen, um, hopefully with you on a class. And um, we can get changing our relationship with food as we're changing our relationship with alcohol. Absolutely. I think it's going to be super fun. Awesome, Eric. Thank you so much for your time. It's been amazing having you on the show. I was just going to say one more thing. You know, what would be your one thing you'd like to say to somebody who's thinking about um, changing their relationship with alcohol, Um, and what if if they haven't decided to take that leap yet? um, And what would be your one thing you'd say to somebody who wanted to change their relationship with food? Uh, You know,
1: unfortunately, I have a hard time at the one thing. let, Let me let me say this. The first thing is, is as I've already said. If there's a part of anyone that's thinking that maybe they should reevaluate the race, relationship with alcohol, then they should. You know, it, it's, it's really that simple. And of course, if there's a part of them rebelling against that notion, like for example, even a week, say if somebody says, hey, let's try a week without alcohol. If, if immediately you start looking at social situations and go, whoa, whoa, I don't wanna miss that, or like this and that, then what's going on is it's demonstrating the level of hold that alcohol has on you and the lack of freedom you have around your own decision-making. And so again, I would say that it would be a really good idea to take a holiday just to test those notions. So again, if the question is there, hey, should I be reevaluating my relationship with alcohol? That question is the answer. (laughs) If somebody Feels like they should be, if they're questioning it, then they should. That doesn't mean giving it up. It doesn't mean, you know, walking into a meeting and saying, Hi, my name's Eric and I'm an alcoholic. I'm not talking about that at all. I'm saying that if you are asking the question, Should I be reevaluating my relationship with alcohol? then the question is the answer, and that is yes. And to the degree that that frightens you, then the answer is double yes. And I feel like the same thing is true for food.
0: Do you know what, you've hit the nail on the head and 2019 has been my, and this can be, you know, I keep caveating my goal because I know that some people might think it's pretentious or, you know, whatever, it's just a fake goal, but I'm sorry, my goal for 2019 is to finally reveal my six pack. And, you know, I've I've talked about doing it since I've been in my twenties. I've been on various fad diets. I've done all sorts of things. I'm I, you know, going into intermittent fasting, blah, blah, blah. I'm on this journey and this couldn't come at a better time because what happens? I resort to cheese in the fridge because I fricking love cheese and I can't say no to pizza and I can't, do I, do I have freedom from food? No, I don't. Now here's something that's really powerful. Here I do every single day trying to inspire people and say, you must go and do this and change your relationship with alcohol. And yeah, I felt that I don't need to do that anymore with alcohol. I am free. I'm completely and utterly free. I can go and have a drink. I can go and get smashed to bits if I want, whatever I want, but I take it and leave it. I, I am genuinely free. I'm not with food. And if I'm to lead by example, then why don't I go through this journey? And if your WildFit program is going to help me do that, then I'm absolutely all in. I'm all in. I really want to have that change. I don't want to feel compelled by the pizza or the buns or those other things that control me whenever I walk in. I want to just look at them and go, meh, like I would. a um Do you know,
1: um, one of my clients is uh, one of the original founders and still an owner of Zumba. And he immediately booked a meeting with me after doing the program and said, I would love to help you. I think you're going to do to fitness, sorry, you're going to do to the diet industry, what Zumba did to the fitness industry. And what that was, was getting all the people who would never go to a gym to go to a gym. And so in other words, what we're going to do is, and what we are doing is helping people that have either never been able to make a diet work or never even tried one or given up on them, actually get them the results. And so one day he's a marketing specialist. He's incredibly brilliant in this area. And he came along and he, he, we were sitting, having a meeting with, with our president. And we said, like, what's the brand promise of WildFit? Like what, what if, you know, if Coca-Cola like owns happiness, which I would question, but say they do. And and if, if, uh, and if Harley Davidson owns rebellion or, or irreverence, you know, then what is WildFit all about? And I said, well, it's about freedom. It's ultimately about freedom. And so we had this talk and we thought, okay, maybe that is the brand word. Maybe that, maybe everything we ever say from now on, every coaching, every marketing, everything needs to be run through that word freedom properly. And no kidding, the very next morning, we were in Jamaica at the time, the very next morning, a guy walks out of the hotel buffet, walks up to the table, recognizes me and says, oh my God, Eric, I so have to thank you. And I said, "Uh, you're welcome. What for? And he says, for my freedom. And Jeffrey and Andrew and I all look at each other, suspecting each of us of setting this up because we just had this meeting the night before, right? But then Jeffrey turns to him and to the guy and says, can you tell me exactly what you mean by that? And the guy says, oh, I can tell you for sure. I just walked through the buffet and, and as I got to the end of it and I looked down at my plate and it looked so healthy, I suddenly realized that I hadn't seen any cakes or cookies or muffins or any of that kind of stuff. And I was surprised the buffet didn't have any. So I turned back around and there they were, but I hadn't even seen them because I'm completely free of them. That's freedom.
0: Boom. Awesome. That is it. Yeah, so might, let's put a great class
1: together. Let's have a whole lot of
0: fun. Let's get that six pack out and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll make it happen. Done. You're now responsible for my six pack. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for your time, Eric. It's been such a pleasure. It's been a pleasure for me as well. Thanks for having me. for listening to the one year no beer podcast for a full list of episodes and to join in the challenge yourself head on over to oneyearnobeer.com oneyearnobeer.com